Hi, this is Arielle Jack, Student Ministries Director here at New Life Church. Thank you for joining our podcast today. I pray the following presentation encourages, challenges, and inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy the message. So we've been talking about summer baggage this past few weeks. And uh, before we get into this sermon, I'd just like to pause because we have all these changes in the order of service, all these things that are going on. Let's just open with a word of prayer, huh? God, I thank you for this moment we have today to look at your word and to see, and see ways we can drop the baggage in our lives so that we can better serve you, so we can better uh, minister to our families and our friends and our culture. God, I pray today that you would allow us to see in our, in our own lives some of the ways that we can um, lighten the load. So we thank you for that. And we ask you to minister to our hearts in a very specific, particular way that only your Holy Spirit can. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The, F, the, uh, the five F-1 engines of the Saturn V rocket provided a total lift-up thrust of 7.5 million pounds. All this thrust was needed to lift the multi-stage rocket, its fuel, and its payload into orbit during the historic Apollo 11 moon landing. Payload calculations are a huge part of the equation when planning for a space mission. Whether it be to the moon land, whether it be a moon landing or a satellite launch or a space station module, according to a November 2021 article in Skyrora, I know you're all subscribed to Skyrora, entitled, Launch Vehicle Payload Integration. Sounds like a page turner, right? I know you guys love that. So here's some of the questions designers may consider in a payload design stage. Ready? How big is the payload? How heavy can the payload be? And what shape can the payload be? So think of a rocket as a delivery truck. The bigger the truck is, the more boxes it can carry. Therefore, the bigger the rocket, the bigger the payload. Now, this is important. However, in order for the rocket to launch successfully, the upward thrust of the rocket must be greater than the combined weight of the rocket's payload, propellant, and structure. Additionally, the payload must be small enough to fit within the payload fairing. This means that during the design stage of the payload integration process, designers must solve the tricky puzzle of making the rocket payload as light and small as possible, but strong enough to handle the forces of rapid acceleration through the atmosphere. So, this is where we're going to get really relevant. What happens if you exceed payload capacity? in a rocket. Here we go. If the rocket exceeds its determined payload capacity, the launch vehicle will most likely lose balance and divert from its original trajectory. If it's too heavy, it will lose balance and divert from its original trajectory, causing it to go off course and crash. This is why payload integration is the, mo- is the utmost importance 
to the overall safety of the launch vehicle. Today's message is entitled, The Weight of Fear. The Weight of Fear. To me, there's not much scarier than the total blackness of space. I don't know how these guys do it. They, they go up. They, they, they do these spacewalks. So I don't know how they do it. Maybe the only weight an astronaut, an astronaut carries with him in the interstellar vacuum is fear. Everything else is weightless. Fear is a weight that we all carry. But if our fear is heavy, to quote Skyrora, <laughs> we will most likely lose balance, divert from our intended trajectory, causing us to go off course and crash. Frank Herbert, in his space odyssey, Dune, says this, and I love this. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. Buzz Aldrin, you know that guy, second guy in the moon, he's forever known as the second, the first loser to the moon. Right? He said this, fear paralyzes in many ways, but especially if it keeps you from responding wisely and intelligently to challenges. The only way to overcome your fear is to face them head on. Chris Hadfield, commander of the International Space Station, said this, In my experience, fear comes from not knowing what to expect. You heard that from the kids this morning. And not feeling you have any control over what's happening. When you feel helpless, you're far more afraid than when you have all the facts. So the big idea for this message today is this. Fear grows when you feel when we feel our inabilities or our anxieties about the unknown. But God has promised to protect us and to walk through danger, with us through danger. The Chapman Survey Research Group studies fear in America. Their most recent research shows that Americans are becoming progressively more afraid. That's interesting to me, that Americans are becoming progressively more afraid. I have a theory as to why that is. The top, the top three fears for 2019 were corrupt government officials, pollutions, this was interesting to me, pollution of bodies of water, and loved ones being seriously ill. I think that that statistic is growing probably almost directly with our secular culture. Because if this is all there is, if, it, if this right here is all we have, and there's other cultures didn't do that. I mean, I'm not even talking about Christian cultures. I'm talking about even pagan cultures. They understood that this was, this was not all there was. And they could go out into battle or they could go out and do their things and they could die honorably. And they, they felt like, man, 
this is, gonna, this is not all there is. But our culture, our, our secular, um, naturalistic culture says this is all there is. So if you have a problem here or you don't know what's going to happen, it's a terrifying thing. Because death is the end. And the time you have here is all you got. That, to me, is a terrifying reality. So I think that there, it's a direct correlation to our secular, naturalistic culture. So it's important for us to understand that the Bible doesn't teach us to be completely absent of fear. Did you know that? The Bible does not tell you to be completely absent of fear, but rather to see the proper, uh, proper things. Proverbs 9, 10 says, fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the what? beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He said, that's a good thing. Understanding just how amazing, huge, powerful, and all-knowing God is should inspire in us a wholehearted sense of fear. This is until we realize that our God is on our side. If I were to go out onto a basketball court and standing before me was Shaquille O'Neal, you seen this guy? This guy is a giant among men. He is huge. And I had to stand across from him, and I, had to, I would be like, I, this is going to be, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm not only afraid that I'm going to lose this basketball game, but I might die. I mean, just getting knocked by, over by this guy could kill me, right? But think about the, the change in your attitude when you realize, oh, wait, he's on my team. Cha-ching. <laughs> the fear of that entity now becomes your confidence. He hasn't changed at all. He's still the biggest dude on the court. He's still the strongest dude on the court. But the perspective from thinking you're against him to knowing he's on your side now changes your fear to confidence. See what I'm saying? But the fear of Sha- Shaquille O'Neal will keep you from you know, mouthing off too, right? You're not going to talk trash to him. I tell you that way. Psalm 23. The Lord, that God, is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Just think about that for a second. He's sitting you down in the midst of your enemies. And why is that okay? Because he's like Shaquille O'Neal standing behind you. I mean, just think about it. He's, there's no fear in the, in the midst of your enemies when God's got your back. You anoint my head with oil in front of my enemies. My cup overflows in front of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, Pastor, that's not true, though. There's a lot of bad things that happen to me. Hold on a second. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my... Why? Because I am in the house of the Lord forever. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right. Psalm 23 is printed on everything. On mugs. It's on posters, on little plaques, on cute kitten Instagram posts. You see this thing everywhere. It's, 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 It's almost like ubiquitous. It's been so familiar in a Christian culture that we've overlooked its amazing truths. We know it, quote unquote, we know it, but we don't apply it to our fears. Think about this for a second. In that passage, God promises his presence, his strength, his protection, his generosity, his abundance, his provision, his blessing, his safety, and his mercy all within the words of this one psalm. To be in the valley of the shadow of death implies that death is not only standing near us, but it's also between us and the light. Can you see that? That's like, that's like, a, that's like the total darkness of space. That's a scary place to be. But what does it say about God? However, God, the good, the good shepherd, leads us through the danger. When I was asked to go to Peru, I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit, eh, I don't know. I was a little afraid of it. I have not traveled outside of the country without my travel agent, which is my wife. She is amazing at that. And I just went to a new location, a new uh, culture. I didn't really know it. I, don't really, I didn't really know the people I was going with that well. So I had a little bit of fear. But then I was, I was beginning to consider who was taking me on the trip. Now, the director of multiplication for the Southern New England uh, Ministry Network is this guy by the name of Selwyn Boldly. Selwyn is a big dude, all right? He's in charge of missions and multiplication in, in this district, all this stuff. He's a big dude. That's good. That's good. Unless you're sitting on the plane next to him. But he's a big dude. He's ex-military. So he knows how to handle himself. And he lived in Peru with the people as a missionary for quite a while. So... I was going to go to Peru with just anybody. I was going to go with a guy I could trust to shepherd me through that experience. He knew the, he knew the ground. He was, he'd been there before I was. He knew how to handle himself. He knew where to go, where not to go. He knew these things. And then he imparted those things to us as a team so that we could help our people that we bring down and keep them safe. So... That took away some of my fear. The, the, uh, the confidence I had in him alleviated my fears. As long as I, it, uh, as long as I stuck close to Selwyn, I was pretty confident. Do you see how this works with God? 
he's a shepherd. And the closer you stick to the shepherd, the more confident you can be that you're not going to go off the, onto a weird path. You're not going to be in danger. Sticking close to the shepherd can alleviate the fears. Consider the scripture we talked about with the kids. Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your spirit? And where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light to you. When you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, it seems so fearful because you can't see the light source. you got to know that the shepherd that you're walking with, that night, that darkness is just like light to him. It's, the, it's no thing for him. So you stick close, and the confidence grows. There are no places where you can go in which God's presence isn't already there. Strong's Hebrew lexicon says this, the right hand of God was believed to be the stronger and more dexterous hand than the left in ancient culture. So when he says, your right hand, your left hand will, uh, let's go back to it. Um, says, your, even there your hand shall lead me. This is through the sea. Even though your hand will lead me, your right hand shall hold me. So he's not saying, I'm just going to, you know, he's saying this, I, I got you. The strength of my right arm, everything that God is, the hugeness, the the uh, epicness of who our God is, the strongest point of that God is what's got you. That's an amazing concept. That's an amazing concept. It's, I'm not only just, you know, shepherding you through with a little stick. Okay, go. Well, that's part of it sometimes. Every once in a while, we need a good. But the idea is God's got you in those darkest of places. When you feel like the oxygen is just sucked out of the room, when you just, you can't breathe, God's like, I got you. And I don't just got you, I really got you with my right hand. All the full strength of the Godhead has got you. Writing to the church of Philippi, Paul encourages the believers not to succumb to fear. Rather, they are given, their, rather they give their burdens of anxiety over to God, and he will exchange it for perfect peace. Proverbs 4, uh, excuse me, Philippians 4. 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything. Oh, how many times have I gone back to that verse? Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And if we read that passage today as, you know, as God with a lowercase g, I don't know, There's, I, I would be afraid. But if we understand that God, with a capital G, capital O, capital D, the fullness of God, the, right, the strong right arm of God, if we are praying and we're bringing our anxieties to that God, then fear should be alleviated. What does that confidence in that God do? Ready? It gives peace. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ 
Jesus. What does that mean? It means this. You may not understand how this could ever be okay. That's not your job. Your job is to hold on to the strong right arm of your shepherd. I know it's hard to, you know, accept that God always equates us to sheep. But there's reasons for it. And we talked about this in the Rewind podcast recently. <laughs> sheep are stupid. They're very dumb. They are. They are. They, they are very, I wish, okay. all right, I won't be rude to sheep. They're simple creatures. What do they do? They follow their bellies. They follow their appetites. And if, if, if left to their own devices, they'll do a bunch of different things. First off, they'll eat their pasture to dust. They'll just eat it right down to dust, and then they'll starve. They have no perspective. Secondly, they will wander into danger going after something that looks yummy to them. And thirdly, because of their, their low-down uh, countenance, they don't have the same perspective as a shepherd. So they'll wander into places that they can't see the danger that's lying on the other side. So sheep are very reliant on a good shepherd and a good sheepdog to corral them. To They're pack animals. They want to stay together, which is another great uh, analogy for the church. We, we need each other. There's safety in those numbers. But he says, we got to be careful. We have to stick close to the shepherd. And we know that this shepherd has the perspective. He has the strength. And he actually is good. That means when you do go off following your appetites, he's going to hunt down as far as he can, and he's going to call you home. That's a good father. That's a good shepherd. He's not going to be like, eh, I got 99 other ones. What do I need that one for? He's a problem child. That sheep. This is the God you serve. This is the God who loves you, and this is the strength of his arm. In Philippi, these young believers didn't have the discipleship materials, the church culture, or benefits of multiple generations of believers in their daily life. So Paul's encouraging words might have been the first they had ever heard about trading anxiety for peace. We talk about this all the time in our culture, and we don't seem to have the same amount of success. Why? Because we don't understand who our God is. He's a fearful God who's on your side. Imagine what that would be like if you could literally live a life without the weight of fear, without the weight of anxiety on you, without that fear turning into despondency. What would it feel like to be that light? Buzz Aldrin said this about weightlessness. There's a 
tremendously satisfying freedom associated with weightlessness. It's challenging in the absence of um, traction or leverage. It requires thoughtful readjustment. So here's the thing. When, G, when, when Paul says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's not natural for us. That's going to take some getting used to. That's going to take, we don't know how to, how to live that life. But when we put that into practice, we start to alleviate ourselves from the weight of our anxieties and our fears. And that's what the peace that passes understanding is like. And the way Buzz Aldrin is saying, it's a tremendously satisfying, free freedom associated with weightlessness. And it says, I found the experience of weightlessness to be one of the most fun and enjoyable, challenging and rewarding experiences of space flight. That sounds a lot like what God wants for you. Did you realize that God wants you to have a fun existence? And I don't mean fun like, yay, like amusement park fun. But the Bible says Christ came to give you life and life abundantly. Not just like, oh, I guess, guess I'll be a Christian. I don't want to go to hell someday. I mean, think about that. I've said this before. If that's your attitude, please don't be an evangelist. Please don't. Just live your life, go to heaven, and we'll see you there. But don't go talk to people about it. Karen, you wouldn't want to go to church with me, would you? Probably not. I, I understand if you don't want to go because it's, you know, church. And... But, you know, you don't want to go to hell, Karen, right? So, right, you don't want to go to hell? No, I didn't either, so. So we might as well live this miserable life so that someday we don't have to live in hell. That's, that's not what God has. That's not even scriptural. That's, God has given us this great God to walk through this life with. And he's not saying it's not going to be challenging. He said, in this life you will have troubles, but be of good cheer. I've overcome this life. In this world, you have, I've overcome this world. Think about it. There's not, it's not that you're not going to have difficulty. It's going to be challenging. But the God of the universe is holding you with his righteous, holy right arm. So you don't have to fear what this life throws in your way. You can live in abundance and in peace and weightless. And though it may be challenging, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a blast. It's the most fun and enjoyable, challenging and rewarding experience of spaceflight. That's what I want for you. Not just that I want it for you, but I want you to receive what God wants for you. We are not designed as creatures to carry all the weight of this fear and anxiety that our culture is growing in. It's getting worse and worse and worse as we get 
smarter and smarter and smarter. As we get more technological, more connected, more, we're getting more and more afraid of life. And God's like, listen, I'm right here. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid because even if it's dark, even if it's tough, even if it's death, why are we so afraid of death? We are so attached to the, what what does Paul say? For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. We are so attached to this flesh. We got we to gotta start being more attached to our God. And we got to say, listen, no matter what it is, even, even the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid because I know the God of the universe and he's got me with his righteous, holy, strong right arm. We got to be a people that live in light of the greatness of our God. And it's going to feel awkward at first, but you can do it. You've got to put it into practice. When those fears come, when those anxieties come, when they, when they come haunting you, you've got, you got to give them over. You've got to, in all prayer, give your anxieties and supplication. Give your anxieties to God and the peace of God, which surpasses the understanding and the situation that you're going through right now, will guard your heart and mind. I have claimed that verse over and over, and I'm still not great at it, but I'm working on it. I think I, think I do better with my heart than I do with my mind. Sometimes I, God wants to calm my mind or give me peace in my mind, and I kind of take that peace back. I've got to let him have it. got to let him have it. What good is it for me to be staring at my ceiling in the middle of the night worrying about something when I could be getting peaceful, restful sleep and having put that in God's hands? It's not natural to us. It's supernatural, and that's what God wants for us. You have a huge God, and he's not just a huge God. He's a huge God who's on your team. God, I thank you for this opportunity we have today to be here, to to look at our our own lives and, and see where we fall short. Lord, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Lord, we're imperfect. We don't do these things correctly. We need your word to guide, instruct, and redirect it. And Lord, if we are off on our own path and we've strayed away from your purpose, from your uh, guidance, from your right arm, if we have taken on the, the world's way of thinking about things, then Lord, we repent of that today. We turn and we come back to where we got off track and we get on track with you. God, I thank you that you are a good shepherd that doesn't leave us to our own devices, who sees when we're going and pursues us. Today, this may be the good shepherd pursuing you. and Say, come on back. You don't need that fear. You don't need that anxiety. I got this thing. Fear is, uh, death is not the end. This tr- struggle you're going through is temporary. I got you. You may feel like it's dark beyond dark. Your dark is light to me. I can see my way through. Stick close to me. God, we repent of our fear. And Lord, we give over the weight of it. And we take on your peace and the weightlessness that comes with it. We give you thanks and glory. 
that you are actually on our team. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Take it with you. Well, don't take it with you. Drop it off. Take God with you, right? I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. To find out more about New Life Church or to plan a visit, go to our website at discovernewlife.org.